Blog Talk Radio. Welcome back to Zion's Redemption Radio Network. I am your host, Mark Lichtenwalter, and this is Fundamentally Mormon. Today we will be covering pages 84 through 100 of chapter 10 of Michael Adam, speaking about the Adam-God doctrine. And this chapter is titled... Origin of the Adam-God Doctrine. We'll be doing the reader portion of the program first, which is about 36 minutes long. And then we'll get into the reading and commentary portion of the program. Any questions about the Adam-God Doctrine can be asked during the reading portion of the program. The guest call-in number is 917-889-8827. Any questions about Mormonism or theology can be asked after the reading portion of the radio program. When you call in to 917-889-8827, I will bring you into the call screening room and ask you if you would like to go live or you can just ask me your questions or comments off the air and I can share them on the live portion without you having to go on. Unmute. What is this? There is also a chat room at blogtalkradio.com forward slash fundamentally mormon that is in operation during the live streaming portion of the radio program. Let's get into the reading. This is Origin of the Adam-God Doctrine, Chapter 10 of Michael Adam, Speaking on the Adam-God Doctrine, pages 84 through 100. Origin of the Adam-God Doctrine Chapter 10 of Michael Adam of the Adam God Doctrine, pages 84 to 100. The world cries for originality. But when a prophet comes among them, they persecute him for not conforming to their standards and traditions. Every true prophet has met with opposition when he introduced truth to the world. Mankind have always rejected true prophets and exalted the false ones. The prophet Joseph Smith had difficulty proclaiming nearly every doctrine which was not commonly believed in, and because of this, many principles were restrained from the public eye. Joseph knew more than he could reveal and dash even to the saints, for he said, I have tried for a number of years to get the minds of the saints prepared to receive the things of God, but we frequently see some of them, 
after suffering all they have for the work of God, will fly to pieces like glass as soon as anything comes that is contrary to their tradition. They cannot stand the fire at all. THC 6, 184 Brother Brigham, if I was to reveal to this people what the Lord has revealed to me, there is not a man or a woman would stay with me. Brigham Young quoting Joseph Smith, Journal of Discourses 9, 294. Brigham Young also knew the struggle the Prophet Joseph had in revealing new spiritual truths in Dash, 85. There is too much covetousness in the church, and too much disposition amongst the brethren to seek after power, and has been from the beginning. But this failing is diminishing, and the brethren begin to know better. In consequence of such feelings Joseph left the people in the dark on many subjects of importance, and they still remain in the dark. We have got to read such principles from our hearts. THC 7, 545 Joseph Smith originates the doctrine the prophet Joseph Smith could reveal only certain things to his closest and most trusted friends. In fact, all of the doctrines of the church can be traced directly back to Joseph Smith. It was not Brigham Young who was first to teach the Adam God doctrine. It can be clearly documented that Joseph Smith was the originator of that doctrine, and that Brigham Young only made it public knowledge. Brigham Young declared as much when he said, Our father Adam is the man who stands at the gate and holds the keys of everlasting life and salvation to all his children who have or whoever will come upon the earth. I could not find any man on the earth who could tell me this, although it is one of the simplest things in the world, until I met and talked with Joseph Smith. There's News 6-18-73 1. H. Roberts, assistant church historian, traced this doctrine back to the prophet Joseph. It is generally supposed that Brigham Young was the author of the doctrine which places Adam as the patriarchal head of the human race, and ascribes to him the dignity of future presidency over this earth and its inhabitants, when the work of redemption shall have been completed. Those who read the prophet's treatise on the priesthood in the text above will have their opinions corrected upon this subject, for clearly at 86 is the word of the Lord through the prophet Joseph Smith which established that doctrine. The utterances of President Brigham Young but repeat and expound the doctrine which the prophet here sets forth. THC 3, 388, footnote, Adam was the patriarchal head of all men and held the presidency over all the earth's inhabitants, as well as being the father of man in mortality. Joseph Smith said that M- he, Adam, is the father of the human family, and presides over the spirits of all men. THC 3, 387 Adam could not preside over the spirits of men unless he were the father of those spirits. No other explanation would give him such authority. Because Adam presides over the spirits of all men, this would also include Jesus Christ. Joseph gives this key, also. Everlasting covenant was made between three personages before the organization of this earth, 
and relates to the dispensation of things to men on the earth. These personages, according to Abraham's record, are called God the first, the creator, God the second, the redeemer, and God the third, the witness or testator. TPJS, P. 190. Here the prophet establishes the first dispensation upon the earth as that belonging to God the first, the creator. We are informed that this is Adam's dispensation and dash the two become synonymous. Also the prophet establishes him as God the first, above God the second, the redeemer. He, Joseph Smith, taught us that God was the great head of the human procreation and Dash was really and truly the father of both our spirits and our bodies. Letter from Benjamin F. Johnson to George S. Gibbs. 87. There is little doubt as to the Prophet Joseph's convictions and teachings corresponding with those of President Brigham Young's, and some people have even acknowledged in writing that the Adam God doctrine came from the teachings of the Prophet himself. Consider the following. When this earth was prepared for mankind, Michael as Adam, came down. He brought with him one of his wives, and he called her name Eve. The grand patriarchal economy, with Adam, as a resurrected being, who brought his wife Eve from another world, has been very finely elaborated by Brigham, from the patriarchal genesis which Joseph conceived. Women of Mormondom, 179-181, Validity of Brigham Young's teachings to strengthen a belief in the Adam God doctrine. We should consider Brigham Young and the authenticity of his position as a valid and qualified teacher. When the Prophet Joseph's life had so abruptly come to an end, leaving the church without a president and prophet, there existed the vast uncertainty of who should take his place. The people who knew the power and exalted position of their leader, Joseph, wanted a man similar. It was necessary, under such trying times, that it should devolve upon the strongest spiritual man within the church, for they needed spiritual guidance more than ever before. At this critical juncture, in this perilous time of the church, they turned to God to fulfill that vacancy for them. Accordingly, God gave them his choice and dash by powerful manifestations so that they would know who was mostly akin to their great prophet Joseph Smith. By God's own approval and choice, he gave them a revelation to show the nearness of these two men N. Joseph Smith and 88 Brigham Young. The mantle of Joseph fell upon Brigham, and the saints witnessed it with their own eyes. If Joseph had arisen from the dead and again spoke in their hearing, the effect could not have been more startling than it was to many present at that meeting. It was the voice of Joseph himself. And not only was it the voice of Joseph which was heard, but it seemed in the eyes of the people as if it were the very person of Joseph which stood before them. A more wonderful and miraculous event than was wrought that day in the presence of that congregation we never heard of. The Lord gave his people a testimony that left no room for doubt as to who was the man chosen to lead them. Life of Brigham Young, Tallage, 1877, p. 115. 
If I had not seen him with my own eyes, there is no one that could have convinced me that it was not Joseph Smith, and anyone can testify to this who was acquainted with these two men. Wilfred Woodruff, Des. News, March the 12th, 1892. Both Brigham Young and O.C. Kimball had received the assurance from God that they would never fall from their station. From the commencement of the church these two were protected and guided by the Lord. There never were two more faithful men to the prophet Joseph than Brin Brigham. Said the prophet, of the twelve apostles chosen in Kirtland, and ordained under the hands of Oliver Cowdery, David Whitmer and myself. There have been but two but what have lifted their heel against me, namely Brigham Young and O.C. Kimball. THC 5, 412, May the 28th, 1843. The history of these two men was connected with the foundation and rise of the church itself, and their integrity and 89, truthfulness stand as an example for all men. O.C. Kimball testified to the integrity of Brigham Young. Do you suppose that he, B. Young, is so unwise to say anything which he does not know to be true? He understands what he speaks, and he looks before he jumps, and God Almighty will lead him straight, and he will never stumble and dash no, never, from this time forth. Journal of Discourses 532. On another occasion Apostle Kimball said, just think of your position. You have heard the teachings and instructions of President Young, and his instructions are the word of God to us, and I know that every man and woman in this church who rejects his testimony, and the testimony of those that he sends, rejects the testimony of God his Father. I know that, just as well as I know that I see your faces today. Journal of Discourses 4, 2. Brigham Young explained the source and the influence of his teachings and the manner in which he taught. In my doctrinal teachings I have taught many things not written in any book, ancient or modern, and yet, notwithstanding the many things I have told the people, I have never looked into the Bible, Book of Mormon, or the Doctrine and Covenants, or any of our church works to see whether they agreed with them or not. When I have spoken by the power of God and the Holy Ghost, it is truth, it is scripture, and I have no fears but that it will agree with all that has been revealed in every particular. There's News, June the 6th, 1877. The Lord promised this influence to these early and faithful leaders. 90, and whatsoever they shall speak when moved upon by the Holy Ghost shall be scripture, shall be the will of the Lord, shall be the mind of the Lord, shall be the word of the Lord shall be the voice of the Lord, and the power of God unto salvation. The UNC 68, 4. Acceptance or rejection of the testimony of President Brigham Young is a good basis for the truth of Mormonism. If Brigham Young was wrong in his doctrines, who then can we be sure is correct? If the founders of the faith are in error, then nothing since has the assurance of being valid. If Brother Brigham is right, if his doctrines are correct, and his testimony is true, then we can easily detect everything else that is in error. Brigham Young gives us this testimony of God, and the key by which we may obtain the true knowledge of our God. 
tell me that you do not know anything about God. I will tell you one thing, it would better become you to lay your hands upon your mouths and them in the dust, and cry, unclean, unclean. Whether you receive these things or not, I tell you them in simplicity. I lay them before you like a child, because they are perfectly simple. If you see and understand these things, it will be by the Spirit of God. You will receive them by no other spirit. By the same token no one can reject them with the Spirit of the Lord. No matter whether they are told to you like the thunderings of the Almighty or by simple conversation, if you enjoy the Spirit of the Lord, it will tell you whether they are right or not. I am acquainted with my Father. I am as confident that I understand in part, see in part, and know and am acquainted with Him in part, as I am that I was acquainted with my earthly father who died in Quincy, Illinois, after we were driven from Missouri. I know my heavenly father in Jesus Christ whom he has sent, and this is eternal life. Journal of Discourses 4, 218, 91 Popular or unpopular as a prophet may be, his words must be honored. There is one sure way to have the Lord refuse further light and knowledge to a people, and that is for them to reject truths which have already been revealed. If Brigham Young was unsure or mistaken in any of his teachings, he would have acknowledged and corrected them. But his stand was thus, I know just as well what to teach this people and just what to say to them and what to do in order to bring them into the celestial kingdom as I know the road to my office. It is just as plain and easy. The Lord is in our midst. He teaches the people continually. I have never yet preached a sermon and sent it out to the children of men, that they may not call it scripture. There's News, January the 29th, 1880. And again he said, I say now when they, my sermons, are copied and approved by me. They are as good as scripture as is couched in this Bible, and if you want to read Revelation, read the sayings of him who knows the mind of God. Journal of Discourses 13, 264. The reason Brigham Young spoke with such a surety was because of the revelations which he had received. If he preached his own opinions or theories, he would have been cautious about sending about his doctrine. But whatever God revealed to him, there was no hesitancy in his testimony concerning the matter. In his own words, he explained it this way, Whereas the divine who knows the least thing about the being who is the father of our spirits and the author of our bodies? If we know something about him, is there any harm in it? Not a bit. The world of mankind are infidels. We should all be infidel to every 92 false principles. I am infidel in regard to many things, but to the truth, wherever found, I am no infidel. The Christian world is infidel to the truth in a great degree. Why? Because they know so little of the mind and will of God. Step outside of this kingdom. And who can tell us the first process towards covering the earth with the knowledge of God? 
who is there that can tell us anything about that angel whom John saw coming with the everlasting gospel as recorded in John's revelations? I never found anyone who could till I saw Joseph Smith. He could tell me what I had so much desired to learn. What do the Christian divines know about it even at the present day? If they do know anything about it, I wish they would tell us. But if they do not know and will not receive the things of God from those who do know, does not this make them infidels to the truth? I have had many revelations. I have seen and heard for myself, and know these things are true, and nobody on earth can disprove them. The eye, the ear, the hand, all the senses may be deceived, but the Spirit of God cannot be deceived. And when inspired with that Spirit, the whole man is filled with knowledge, he can see with a spiritual eye, and he knows that which is beyond the power of man to controvert. What I know concerning God, concerning the earth, concerning government, I have received from the heavens, not alone through my natural ability, and I give God the glory and the praise. Journal of Discourses 1646, Bussey, Kimball testified that he knew of the source and means through which Brigham Young received these revelations for the church. Has Brother Brigham got a Urim and Thummim? Yes. He has everything that is necessary for him to receive the will and mind of God to this people. Do I know it? Yes, I know all about it. Journal of Discourses 2, 111, 93. Rarely, if ever, was Brigham Young guilty of teaching any errors, and the only guilt he ever felt was teaching too much truth about God. And I will say, as I have before said, if guilt before my God in my brethren rests upon me, in the least, it is in this one thing that I have revealed too much concerning God and his kingdom, and the designs of our Father in heaven. If my skirt sustained in the least with wrong, it is because I have been too free in telling what God is, how he lives, the nature of his providences and designs in creating the world and in bringing forth the human family on the earth, his designs concerning them, etc., if I had like Paul said, but if any man be ignorant, let him be ignorant, perhaps it would have been better for the people. Journal of Discourses 858 Brigham Young was careful, not only in his own teachings, but he instructed the same of the elders. But I will give a caution to my brethren the elders and dash never undertake to teach a thing that you do not understand. Such things will come into your minds. But without launching out on such subjects, questions may be asked and answered, and we gain knowledge from each other. There is plenty within the scope of our own brains that, by the assistance of the Spirit of the Lord, will enable us to tell many things and dash more than the world or even more than the saints can receive. Suppose a man should come here and tell you the very nature of our father Adam and dash tell precisely how he was organized, his height, his proportions, the extent of his knowledge, tell you the agreement that was entered into, the amount of knowledge he had to forget to reduce himself to the capacity of a corruptible being. Suppose this could all be told to the congregations of the saints, what would they know about it? Very little. 
there may be some minds which could grasp some things pertaining to it, but others could not. The 94 spirit of revelation can reveal these things to the people, but unless they live so as to have the revelations of the Lord Jesus Christ, they will remain a mystery, for there is a veil before the minds of the people, and they cannot be understood. Some of these principles have been taught to the Latter-day Saints, but who can understand them? Journal of Discourses 13, 263 Brigham Young was a man unconcerned with the acceptance, rejection, popularity, or disapproval of the world M- he spoke as he was inspired. His tenacity for defense of the gospel is without parallel, and pure inspiration is evident in all of his teachings. Brigham Young served as president of the church longer than any other president. His teachings, his labors, and his accomplishments are unparalleled in the history of the church. The powers of God, manifest through him, are among the most notable of any other president since his time. To better acquaint ourselves with the influence the Lord had upon Brigham Young, we need only turn to the history of the church itself. Consider how Joseph, in a vision, saw Brigham Young standing in the far south and west, in a desert place, preaching with the angel of God standing above his head. THC 2, 381 At another time, while journeying on board ship, a storm arose causing turbulent waves and vigorous winds, but Brigham Young did command the wind and the waves to cease, and permit them to proceed on their journey in safety. THC's 423 Among the gifts bestowed upon Brigham Young was the gift to speak in the language of Adam. Some members disputed it to be of the devil, but the prophet Joseph told them it was the pure Adamic language, or language of God. Mill. Star 25, 439. See also THC 1, 296, 2. 428, and 7, 558. Brigham Young's apostleship was known even before he was considered for the appointment. CDHC 2, 181. Read 95, a rare tribute of his faithfulness to the prophet Joseph in DHC 5, 412. Also at the first meeting of Joseph and Brigham, the prophet Joseph knew that Brigham Young would become president of the church at some future day. CLDS Biographical Encyclopedia 1, 9. May the 14th, 1876, BR. Levi W. Hancock bore his testimony to the living oracles of God. Said in the early rise of the church he lived two years with the prophet Joseph and one day he was chopping a beech log with Joseph and saw B.R. Brigham for the first time. Joseph remarked to him before Brigham came within hearing, there is the greatest man that ever lived to teach redemption to the world, and will it lead this people. Bore a powerful testimony to the power of God being with B.R. Brigham in leading his people, said that the mantle of Joseph had fell upon him, Charles Walker J.R.N.L. 1, 422, and when the time came for Brigham Young to be president of the church, 
There were many of the leading elders of Israel who heard the audible voice of God make that selection. See appendix for this rare account. President Young gives a key to the knowledge he obtained. From the first time I saw the prophet Joseph I never lost a word that came from him concerning the kingdom. And this is the key of knowledge that I have today, that I did hearken to the words of Joseph, and treasured them up in my heart, lay them away, asking my father in the name of his son Jesus to bring them to my mind when needed. I treasured up the things of God, and this is the key that I hold today. I was anxious to learn from Joseph and the Spirit of God. The Spirit of Revelation that was given to me has revealed to me many things which have been done. If you, my brethren, are quick to comprehend, and if you love the 96 truth, you will treasure up these things and ponder upon them in your hearts, and when you are asked with regard to them they will be revealed to you. There's News June 6, 1877. This may be an important key to everyone. If they wish to know more of the things of God, as taught by Brigham Young, let them ponder upon them in their hearts, and they will be revealed. To recount the faithfulness of Brigham Young to the Prophet Joseph is a most remarkable story. It is hard to tell which was the more dominant in his life and dash Joseph Smith's personality or Joseph Smith's ideas. During the 33 years of his leadership of the Mormons, Brigham Young's greatest anxiety was to make his life and work conform to the pattern laid down by that prophet. Every idea, every expression of that idea in whatever form, had to square with what Joseph Smith had said on the subject. And even when the great pioneer came to die, his practical genius concentrated on his early far leader and dashed the man who had been in his grave 33 years and from whose hands he had accepted as a sacred trust the leadership of the great organization. Looking up and out, the glaze of death gathering in his eyes, Brigham exclaimed feebly, Joseph. 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 Joseph Smith, an American prophet, John Henry Evans, p. 213, this stands as evidence that the teachings of Brigham Young, throughout his life, stood accepted and approved by the prophet Joseph Smith. To reject, disapprove, or contradict President Brigham Young's teachings, is to also cast a shadow of doubt upon the validity of the teachings of the prophet Joseph Smith. 97. Joseph Smith's teachings on Adam, because of the unbelief that existed among many saints, as well as the precarious times during his leadership, the prophet Joseph could not present the Adam-God doctrine or plural marriage with the vehemency that Brigham Young did. However, the prophet Joseph was familiar with Adam, as John Taylor affirms. If you were to ask Joseph what sort of looking man Adam was, he would tell you at once, he would tell you his size and appearance and all about him. Journal of Discourses 18, 326. Joseph Smith described Adam's authority and power in a language that could be attributed only to a god. He said that Adam possessed the first presidency in the creation and obtained the priesthood keys in the creation. 
and that those keys are revealed by him because he has dominion over every living creature and more than this and dash he also presides over the spirits of all men tpjs p 157 the prophet also said that adam was that first to hold spiritual blessings and that first to know gospel ordinances also that adam holds the keys of all dispensations tpjs p 167 as mentioned previously in this chapter the prophet joseph smith also declared that god had a dispensation upon the earth and ash it was the first dispensation but one of the most astounding statements by joseph smith was that christ is revealed through the authority of adam tpjs p 167 this places adam's authority over christ and ash yet no one but god has greater authority than christ Adam would then be the Father and God to Jesus Christ. 98. These words by the prophet Joseph Smith clearly indicate that he was familiar with the doctrine publicly announced by Brigham Young. Words can hardly convey any greater power and authority than that which the prophet Joseph attributed to Adam, for they clearly depict him as that great progenitor and creator of the earth who presides over the spirits of all men. Protestant scholars recognize that Michael is the name of the God of this earth. This recognition is based upon Daniel's vision of the supreme authority and power endowed by Michael. One writer states, In vision Daniel witnessed the enactment of a drama of magnificent splendor as the mighty God, to whom the title of the Ancient of Days is given, presents to his Son, Jesus Christ, a kingdom so that all people, nations and languages may serve him. The Ancient of Days did sit, whose garment was white as snow, and the hair of his head like the pule, his throne was like the fiery flame, and his wheels as burning fire. Dan. 7, 9. Continuing to recount the happenings of the awe-inspiring scene he saw. The prophet speaks of the thousand times ten thousands who minister unto him and dash the heavenly hosts who do his bidding. He then sees the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven and presenting himself before the Ancient of Days to receive his kingdom, and there was given him dominion and glory and a kingdom that all nations and languages shall serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away and his kingdom that which shall not be destroyed. Dan 7, 14 The Ancient of Days is now taking his seat in judgment and aspects of his wrath are beginning to manifest themselves on the earth. Soon his son Jesus Christ will return in the clouds of heaven and in righteousness he will judge and make war against all evil. Destiny Magazine December 1953, Volume 24, No. 12. 99. Also referring to Daniel, the prophet Joseph Smith alludes to the Ancient of Days as being none other than Adam. Commencing with Adam, who was the first man, who is spoken of in Daniel as being that Ancient of Ace, or in other words, the first and oldest of all, the great, grand progenitor of whom it is said in another place he is Michael, 
because he was the first and father of all, not only by progeny, but the first to hold the spiritual blessings, to whom was made known the plan of ordinances for the salvation of his posterity unto the end, and to whom Christ was first revealed, and through whom Christ has been revealed from heaven, and will continue to be revealed from henceforth. TPJS P 167 Therefore, according to both the scriptures and Joseph Smith, Adam is Michael and Michael is God and Dash the father of all. 100. I saw Adam in the valley of Adam on the Arman. He called together his children and blessed them with a patriarchal blessing. The Lord appeared in their midst and he, Adam, blessed them all, and foretold what should befall them to the latest generation. In Dash Joseph Smith, picture, the valley of Adam on the Arman. Picture. Spring Hill at Adam on the Arm and the Prophet Joseph Smith found the remains of an ancient Nephite tower. This was also the spot where Adam offered sacrifices. 101, Chapter 11, Chronology of the Doctrine. So that's the end of the reader pro- program portion of the show. Now we'll get into the commentary and reading portion of the show. Once again, anyone with questions on the Adam-God Doctrine can call in during the reading portion of the show. Everyone else that has questions on theology will have to wait till the end of the reading portion of the show. The guest call-in number is 917-889-8827. That's 917-889-8827. There is a chat room during the live portion of the radio program, which starts at 6 p.m. on January 3rd, 2022, and that's 6 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. You can find that chat room at blogtalkradio.com forward slash fundamentally mormon and I'm going to try to go on Monday through Friday from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. We'll see how things go. Uh, It's not always easy. I uh, will actually be at work during that time but this is the best way that I know how to do it. I work Sunday through Friday and I am tired. <laughs> uh, so I need to get my sleep during the day. And then uh, at least tomorrow I don't have a babysitter. So I actually have to come home early so I can get enough sleep to watch him. So it is what it is. But thank you for listening to this program. And uh, by the way, I will be sharing it at facebook.com forward slash L-A-Z-U-R-U-S 1977 and the link to where you can read this chapter or this book or other great books on restoration theology are in the link of this podcast and internet radio show if you're interested. All right, let's get to the reader portion of the program.
Okay, yeah, I uh, <clears throat> I uh, re- pre-recorded that yesterday, and the program tomorrow, uh, I pre-recorded the reader portion of the program yesterday as well. So, um, Kim and Emmett, my wife and my 16-year-old son are on. My son is watching the studio for people who uh, do choose to call in, and uh, I'll... I'll be watching the studio as well, and uh, he'll operate the studio for me. Uh, Kim will be reading. I think Emma will be helping. Um, Kim, are you there? You're unmuted. I mean, you're muted, I guess. Emma, are you there? Yes. Sorry, I was thought I was unmuting myself with my headset. Instead, I had it muted on um, <laughs> the phone. phone. So I'm like talking, talking, talking. I'm like, Elodie, I hand me the phone. Yeah. <clears throat> <laughs> yeah, I've done that before. I'm like, oh, I forgot I muted it on my, my phone, so I muted on my headset, and then I don't know why I can't talk. But, yeah. So my uh, yeah. truck, when I got there, one of the leaf springs was cracked right in the middle of the U-bolt. So uh, I had to pull it into the shop, and I was joking around with the mechanics that they're like nurses in an operating room, because there's like I don't know five or six, five or six of them, and there's like two guys doing the hard work, and they're like, I need this tool, and then like one of the mechanics will run and get it, and then they'll be like, I need this other tool, and then one of the mechanics will run and get the other tool. <laughs> it's kind of funny to watch. But uh, they do a good job, so I really appreciate them. I, I'm glad that I worked for this company because the last company, if anything broke, well, I had all the tools and the parts, and uh, the owner of the truck, he loves going roping for rodeos, and he's all over the dang place. And uh, he wouldn't be there, so if I wanted to drive, I had to fix my own truck, which I hate, 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 hate actually got a degree in advanced diesel mechanics through the United Auto Workers uh, diesel mechanics program when I was, I completed that degree when I was 19 years old, and it was a year and a half to two-year degree, and uh, I, I completed it within, uh, within, I don't know, a year and a half, I think. Uh, and I got a CDL, but I just wanted to drive my own truck. I wanted to know how to fix them. So, and I was homeless, and that was a good place to go because they had room and board there. So, anyway, um, but I like driving them. I don't like fixing them, but I do know how to fix them. So, anyway, um, I'm on wash plant, so I'll mute myself, and uh, you, you have the book ready to go, Kim. Yep, I'm good to go. Okay, I'll mute myself. Chapter 10. Oh, yep, okay. And I'll let you know uh, when we're after every page. Oh, and then Arius just woke up. Hi, monkey. Come say hi to this mummy. Up. Okay, I'm going to read holding him. Hopefully everybody's okay with that. All right. Oh, you don't have Mickey Mouse anymore? Yeah, both my wife and I work I see him all day time. long. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, so I don't get to see him all he day long. Really when I came home, today. he was taking a nap. Yeah, so when he just woke up, instead of me saying, hey, somebody come do him till I'm 
you know, two more hours of not seeing him during the day is not happy to me. So I'm just going to hold him while I read. <laughs> be happy to um, did, uh, a copy. did our milk copy? Did our oldest you say? two? Uh, did oh. our oldest two go nope. uh, throw hay to the? Okay, that nope. has to be done. Um, they need to be fed. Yep, Emmett can hear you right now. I know. I'm got home, and then it was like two minutes. We need to teach Emma how to like... drive the car. He is 16. Yeah, <laughs> and he a license permit thing. <laughs> oh my god! You can drive okay. on our property. Anyways. You don't have to leave the property to drive the car, Emmett. He will run into something. Oh, I know it. I know. I don't think that's a great idea. Okay. But I'm just being <laughs> quiet. Okay. <laughs> I'm like, not my baby. Okay. So, okay, well, let's see. So, um, we're going to be on page 84. Out, oh. Kim. Sorry. If yeah. Emma has yeah. to run out and help Olivia feed the goat, um, and give them water, then you need to watch the studio. Just keep it in yep. a place where you, you can just see it in case you have a caller. Um, and Emmett and Olivia need to go out with a flashlight and throw hay. Yep. Yep. Uh, so, Lydia can't hear okay, you guys, um, so you need to go out and throw hay, okay? And Emmett's going to, and you guys need a flashlight, and that's what Dad just said. Okay. Yep. So one wagon load. Um, per I'm gonna read. Group. Yep. Per yep. Per group. Yep. So the okay. boys need a wagon load, and then the girls need a wagon load, and then Marie needs a wagon load. <laughs> yeah. When they come back All right, up. I'll mute myself. Yeah. Okay. Page eighty-four. Chapter ten: Origin of the Adam God Doctrine. The world cries for originality, but. When a prophet comes among them, persecute him for not conforming to their standards and traditions. Every true prophet has met with opposition when he introduced truth to the world. Mankind have always rejected true prophets and exalted the false ones. The prophet Joseph Smith had difficulty proclaiming nearly every doctrine which was not commonly believed in. And because of this, many principles were restrained from the public eye. Um, that's one of the things that we were trying to explain to that other man. Well, I say we, but I wasn't saying a whole lot. Um, the other man who had called in a few days ago, I guess, and um, just trying to explain to him, like, look at what happens to any true prophet. There's always persecution. It's not clean sailing. There's always something that somebody says um, contrary to either his behavior. Like, you could not please everybody if you are pleasing God. You have to... Serve God and do what God asks you to do. Yeah. Deliver the messages that he's saying, and then you just get beat up for it, like in every way, well, spiritual, uh, temporal. Yeah. If you're a true prophet, God knows who you are because he called you, but Satan knows exactly yep. who you are as well. And like with my, I am only speaking from experience, people that don't even know you will hate you with a passion. For no reason because they're demons that speak to them that they listen to they do know who you are so people out mm -hmm. there that think they're true prophets if they don't have any kind of persecution then they need to question their you know their claim as a prophet because Satan will try to destroy anyone that is a threat to his kingdom and Joseph Smith 
was absolutely a threat to his kingdom. And a lot of people believe that Joseph Smith is back on the earth today, and I've been thinking about that a lot. And I was, I'm like, so in Isaiah chapter 49, it talks about the Davidic servant, how he will be hidden in the quiver of the Lord in the palm of God's hand. And so people believe that Joseph Smith being the Davidic servant and returning on the earth today is out there as a full-grown man right now. And I was thinking, you know, Joseph, when he came in his first ministry, he had nothing but uh, friends who backstabbed him left, right, and center. And if he does, if he is on the earth today, I think that it is a blessing that God hides him from the world because he is able to do what he didn't wasn't able to do in his first ministry, in his first mortal probation on this earth, in that he has a family and a job and he's able to do his work and he doesn't, he's kind of hidden from being persecuted. You know, I mean, there's still persecution because if he is back on the earth, Satan knows exactly who he is and he's going to try to destroy him in every way that he can. But, um, but you know, God is protecting him. So, I don't know, I was just thinking how, how merciful the Lord is to give him the opportunity to have a family in a home, and his, you know, whatever he has, his little farm or whatever. So, anyway, um, go ahead, Kim. Okay. Sorry, Sadie was uh, asking for stuff. Okay, one minute. We'll get it for you. Okay, so it, Joseph knew more. Yep, I'm going to get you your Mickey Mouse back, okay? Just a minute. Lydia's going to do it, okay? Yep. He wants his cuppy. Yeah, his Mickey Mouse cuppy. He wants his, does he want his cuppy? Are you hungry? Yeah. Yeah. Yes, um, I said if yes. one of the little girls can go up into the little refrigerator that we keep in our bedroom, there is a water bottle that is full of almond milk for Arius that's ready oh, okay. to go for him. So if Eliza okay. or Amberly want to go up there and grab it, that would probably help out a lot. I just uh, muted myself so I could tell them that, what you were saying. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah, and if he has his little cuppy, he'll drink it, and then he'll be quiet. <laughs> yeah, that's why I'm like, yay. He doesn't want this yeah, cuppy. Yeah, and I couldn't... It has almond milk I in couldn't, it. I couldn't find his cuppy uh, when he woke up earlier today, so I just let him have one of those water bottles, and he did pretty good with it, so... Yeah. Uh, for the and listening it, um, audience. I know you're listening yes. to this, but are you? Where are oh, you? He's brought, he dropped <laughs> off. Emmett dropped off. I know. Kim, Emmett dropped off. He's not in the studio. 
He just—he was just telling me that his phone just reset. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, for the listening audience, for some reason, yesterday when I was talking about Arius, I was saying he's three. He is not three. He is two and a half. Last month he was two okay, and a half. Video will so get for you. Yeah, he's, he's a little cool. mister, and he is our youngest uh, living child. And we, um, he is in 18 months clothes still, even though he's two and a half, which is perfect because we want him to stay little because we don't want our kids to grow up. We love them at this age. Oh, here's Emma. Let me put him on. Okay, Emma's on. Okay, because he was MIA, I couldn't find him. Okay. Did you have something you needed to say to Emma before you uh, commenced with the reading? Oh, no, I was just seeing where he was at because um, when I start doing this, like one of the other things that a lot of people don't realize is when you're trying to do like full-time everything and have five kids and run the household and do all the things, trying to take a few minutes to do reading or, you know, an hour to do this, it takes a lot out of everything. So I got here, started dinner dinner's still going, needed him to watch it while I'm sitting here next to it, staring at it. Um, yeah, so that needed to be done. And then, of course, I wanted to spend a few minutes with the baby, but I'm also trying to do the reading at the same time. And so um, when he is missing or MIA, I can't just, like, stop doing this and, you know, put the baby down and then run over there and cook. But I don't want that stuff to burn either. So um, I don't know yeah. if he can hear us because I still haven't heard from him yet. But he needs yeah, to uh, go him. back over to know. the stove. I'm here. Yeah. Oh, go back over to the stove. And then uh, my other daughter, I don't know what she's doing. So, yeah, uh, trying to do that while reading and everything is just a, kind of chaotic, as you can tell. <laughs> and but I'm I can continue reading. Yeah. Kim, I'm going in the depth. Okay. I'll continue reading. Joseph knew more than he could reveal, even to the saints. For he said, I have tried for a number of years to get the minds of the saints prepared to receive the things of God. But we frequently see some of them, after suffering all they have for the work of God, will fly to pieces like glass as soon as anything comes that is contrary to their tradition. They cannot stand the fire at all. And that's Doctrinal History of the Church, Volume 6, page 184. In Journal Discourse, Volume 9, page 294, it says, quote, Brother Brigham, if I was to reveal to all the people what the Lord has revealed to me, there is not a man or a woman would stay with me. From Brigham Young, quoting Joseph Smith, Journal of Discourse, Volume 9, page 294. I just think that that's a curious way to have a quote because it's not actually, it's saying that Brigham Young said that, Joseph Smith said that, and, you know, so it's like a third-party thing. And I think a lot of the things Brigham Young said did probably did come from Joseph Smith, but that's just a curious quote. Um, anyways, and it, it makes me well, think of like hmm, the validity of it. So my wife has very, very strong discernment, 
So if she feels like she needs to question something, she should. Because Brigham Young, he revised the, the history of the church. He revised Joseph Smith. He revised scripture to make it match his narrative, what he wanted to do after Joseph was dead. You know, so, um, yeah, there's a lot of things that are suspect with Brigham Young. But we quote from him because he did understand a lot of things that uh, he was taught by Joseph Smith and, and others heard things too, you know. So when he talks about, like, the Adam-God doctrine, well, the only way you'll ever know that it's true is if you get revelation for yourself, you know. There's no other way. You can't, get, uh, you can't know that these things are true unless you get revelation, even if, even if somebody who proclaims to be a prophet says it's true. We have to stand on the rock of revelation, not the sands of speculation or the sands of other people trying to tell us what's true. So the only reason I know that these things are true is because I have received revelation about it, specific revelation. Um, also, for those Christians out there who want to flip out about these type of things, in the New Testament, we are told about a time when there would be a restitution of all things. The restoration needed to take place because many of these things had been lost. We do not have any of the teachings from, from Jesus Christ during his 40-day ministry after his resurrection. Also, Jesus said right before his death, Other sheep I have, which are not of this fold. Them also must I bring. There will be one fold, and there will be one fold and one shepherd. And he is the shepherd. But he never went out. And the, the Christians will say, well, that, he was talking about the Gentiles. Yeah, he never went personally to teach anybody but the house of Israel. And he has appeared to many other people besides the people who were led away uh, right before the Babylonian captivity who found themselves in the utmost bounds of the everlasting hills, which is spoken of in Genesis chapter 49 by Jacob speaking to his son Joseph while he was getting a patriarchal blessing from Jacob or Jacob. And um, Jacob said that uh, the the posterity of Joseph would be led away, away from his brethren, across the deep well, that's speaking of the ocean, to the utmost bounds of the everlasting hills, which is a geological indicator as to where those people were led off to by God himself through a prophet. And um, they almost found that the everlasting hills, well, the, you know, they start in South America and they go all the way from the tip of South America all the way to the tip of North America and the utmost bounds would be North America, where the Lamanites and the Nephites eventually ended up. And he, Jesus said he had other sheep, which are not of that fold there in Jerusalem that he must speak to. And he did. And that is in the second witness of Jesus Christ, which is the Book of Mormon, which is the stick of Joseph, which is talked about in Ezekiel chapter 37, where uh, God uh, tells Ezekiel that there would be two sticks for a record. So you put the scrolls or the records on a stick, 
and you roll it up on those sticks. That's how you have your scrolls. Well, one of the sticks or scrolls of Judah, that's the Bible. But the stick of Joseph is a separate record from the Bible, which we get the Jews from, and that is the stick of Joseph and Ephraim and Manasseh, um, which is the Book of Mormon, the second witness or testament of Jesus Christ. Anyway, go ahead, Kim. You're still muted. Oh, sorry. Yep, sorry about that. So uh, we found out what he needed, what he was missing while you were talking. Arius was missing his hot dog. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I want a hot dog. I was like, dog. what is he saying? Yeah, but he was saying yeah. heck egg. Like, he has a, okay. you know, a two-year-old accent. Yeah. Yeah. So we were like, what is he talking about? And just in case you are wondering, a listening audience, we eat kosher hot dogs, <laughs> not pork hot dogs. Because actually, oh, yeah. in the scriptures, it says those who are caught eating swine flesh when when uh, God comes will be damned. So we we try to keep kosher, but uh, it specifically speaks of swine as the abominable abominable meat. Anyway, okay, I'm gonna mute myself again. Can you hear me? Yes. Okay, just making sure. Then there was like nothing, and I was like, oh, great. Okay. Brigham Young also knew the struggle the Prophet Joseph had in revealing new spiritual truths. Page 85. There is too much covetousness, 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 okay, sorry, yep, covetousness in the church. And too much disposition amongst the brethren to seek after power, and has been from the beginning. But this failing is diminishing, and brethren begin to know better. In consequence of such feelings, Joseph left the people in the dark on many subjects of importance, and they still remain in the dark. We have got to rid such principles from our hearts. End quote. From Doctrinal History of the Church, Volume 7, page 545. Joseph Smith originates the doctrine. The prophet Joseph Smith could reveal only certain things to his closest and most trusted friends. In fact, all of the doctrines of the church can be traced directly back to Joseph Smith. It was not Brigham Young who was first to teach the Adam God doctrine. It can be clearly documented that Joseph Smith was the originator of that doctrine and that Brigham Young only made it public knowledge. Brigham Young declared as much when he said in Deseret News, uh, volume 6, page 18 through 73. Sorry, that's not right. This must be, it says Deseret News 6-18-73. So, uh, however that works. Um, Quote, our father Adam is a man who stands at the gate and holds the keys of everlasting life and salvation to all his children who have or whoever will come upon the earth. I could not find any man on the earth who could tell me this, although it is one of the simplest things in the world, until I met and talked with Joseph Smith. End quote from Deseret News 6-18-73. B.H. Roberts' assistant, church historian, traced this doctrine back to the prophet Joseph. In Doctrinal History of the Church, Volume 3, page 388, footnote, quote, 
It is generally supposed that Brigham Young was the author of the doctrine, which places Adam as the patriarchal head of the human race. And to him the dignity of future presidency over this earth and its inhabitants. When the work of the redemption shall have been completed, those who read the prophet's treaties in the priesthood in the text above will have their opinions corrected upon this subject. For clearly it is the word of the Lord through the prophet Joseph Smith which established that doctrine. The utterances of President Brigham Young but repeat and expound the doctrine which the prophet here sets forth. End quote. From Doctoral History of the Church, Volume 3, page 288. Um, his hot dogs. There is. I just bought them yesterday. They're corn dogs. I bought a huge box of, of 20. I just bought a... Okay, hold on one second. I actually have a conversation with my 13-year-old who's arguing with me right now. Yeah, we have a daughter who thinks that she's an adult. So I know that a lot of people out there have had teenage daughters, so you know what we're dealing with. <laughs> she actually just told us the other day that she has a boyfriend. We're like, oh, no. <laughs> of course, they, don't, they haven't kissed because they're too scared to kiss. So, yes. Anyway, um... I'm about ready to turn on the mine road, so I am going to break up for a minute while I head up to the, the mine to load out. And then uh, okay. for Kim, um, they told mm-hmm. me that we have Huntington's left. i got to take one, so I'll be headed that direction shortly. Awesome. Very exciting. Okay. Okay. Maybe, maybe I'll okay. be able to bring you some mine. of this yummy stuff. Okay. Yeah, I'm on the mine road now. It will, it will be breaking up in the next five miles. Okay. Okay. Um, continuing on. Adam was the patriarchal head of all men and held the presidency over all the earth's inhabitants. As well as being the father of man in mortality, Joseph Smith said that in Doctrinal History of the Church, Volume 3, page 387, quote, he, Adam, is the father of the human family and presides over the spirits of all men. End quote. Again, from Doctrinal History of the Church, Volume 3, page 387. Adam could not preside over the spirits of men unless he were the father of those spirits. No other explanation would give him such authority, because Adam presides over the spirits of all men. This would also include Jesus Christ. Joseph gives this key also in Teachings of the Prophet Joseph Smith, page 190. Quote, Everlasting covenant was made between three personages before the organization of this earth and relates to their dispensation of things to men on the earth. These personages, according to Abraham's record, are called God, the first, the creator, God, the second, the redeemer, and God, the third, the witness or testator. That's from Teachings of the Prophet Joseph Smith, page 190. Here, the prophet establishes the first dispensation upon the earth as that belonging to God, the first, the creator. We are informed that this is Adam's dispensation. The two become synonymous. Also, the prophet establishes him as God the first, above God the second, the redeemer. In letter from Brigham... Yep. Hi, Arius. I see she's doing that. So exciting. Letter from, Brig- from Benjamin F. Johnson, 
to George S. Gibbs, quote, he, Joseph Smith, was taught, taught us that God was the great head of the human procreation. It, was it really and truly the father? Okay. Okay. Yep, right here. Sorry. Let me start that one again. Letter from Benjamin F. Johnson to George S. Gibbs. He, Joseph Smith, taught us that God was the great head of the human procreation, was really and truly the father of both our spirits and our bodies. End quote. That was from letter from Benjamin S. Johnson to George S. Gibbs. Page 87. There is little doubt as to the Prophet Joseph's convictions and teachings corresponding with those of President Brigham Young. And some people have even acknowledged in writing that Adam, that the Adam God doctrine came from the teachings of the Prophet himself. Consider the following. In Women of Mormondom, pages 179 and 181, quote, When this earth was prepared for mankind, Michael, as Adam, came down. He brought with him one of his wives, and he called her name Eve. The grand patriarchal economy with Adam as a resurrected being who brought his wife Eve from another world has been very finely elaborated by Brigham. From the patriarchal Genesis, which Joseph conceived. End quote. From Woman of Mormondom, pages 179 and 181. Um, Now, the next heading is Validity of Brigham Young's Teachings. To strengthen a belief in the Adam-God doctrine, we should consider Brigham Young and the authenticity of his position as a valid and qualified teacher. When the Prophet Joseph's life had so abruptly come to an end, leaving the church without a president and prophet, there existed the vast uncertainty of who would take his place. The people who knew the power and exaltation position, or I'm sorry, an exalted position of their leader, Joseph wanted a man similar. It was necessary under such trying times that it should devolve upon the strongest spiritual man within the church, for they needed spiritual guidance more than ever before. At this critical juncture in this perilous time of the church, they turned to God to fulfill that vacancy for them. Accordingly, God gave him, them, his choice by a powerful manifestation so that they would know who was mostly akin to their great prophet, Joseph Smith. By God's own approval and choice, he gave them a revelation to show the nearness of these two men, Joseph Smith and Brigham Young. The mantle of Joseph fell upon Brigham, and the saints witnessed it, with their own eyes. In Life of Brigham Young by Tillage, 1877, page 115, quote, if Joseph had arisen from the dead and again spoke in their hearing, the effect could not have been more startling than it was to many present at that meeting. It was the voice of Joseph himself, and not only was it the voice of Joseph which was heard, but it seemed in the eyes of the people as if it were the very person of Joseph which stood before them, a more wonderful and miraculous event than was wrought that day in the presence of that congregation we never heard of. The Lord gave his people a testimony that left no room for doubt as to who was that man chosen to lead them. 
end quote. That's from Life of Brigham Young, Tillage. Hold on, I was just going to say that. Wait a minute. 1877, <laughs> page 115. So do you know what that is? And I'm going to let you know this without even you saying anything, and you can agree to disagree. That is um, exactly what God said he was going to do, and the people who believed in a lie gave, were given this strong delusion. Do you okay, understand you what me? I'm saying? Yeah, yeah I, I can know. now. Okay, yeah, strong delusion. Okay, so uh, some of the records where this supposedly happened, the people who said they witnessed it were on missions, like, on other continents. But, oh, they were there that day, you know. And then um, none of the accounts of these things happening actually um, – none of the accounts of these things happening actually – um, 690? Okay, thanks. What's that? Okay, good, thanks. Okay. Oh, boy, being a trucker. All right, so all of the accounts of these things happening, none of them uh, happened, or none of them were written down at the time. They were not written down until 30 or 40 years after the supposed happening. Hold on. <sighs> Empty coming up. Anyway, so um, also, well, uh, if Brigham Young, okay, and I can't, I can't freak out about Brigham Young too much because he was a servant. And the only reason I know that is because I hated Brigham Young for a little while when I found out some of the crap that he pulled while in Utah. Um, but God told me specifically not to judge him because he was his servant. He may have been a wicked servant, and he may have lied about some things, but he was who the church needed to, to do, to do uh, spreading the gospel. So I can't flip out about him too much, but I do have to also say that just what I've said before, section 124, Jesus tells them to do specific things, and he tells them if, he, if they do not do what, the, what he says, he will reject them or their church with their dead. And all of the curses that are in section 124 that would happen if the church was rejected are those things which happened. All of the blessings that Jesus said would happen if they were obedient, none of that happened. Also, uh, if we take section 124, and I think it's verse 45, 45 as a principle, if you don't do what I say, you'll be rejected as a church with your dead. One of the reasons I do this radio show is to show how much the church has changed and how much doctrine they have rejected, and how many things that God told them to do, which they make excuses for, oh, we don't have to worry about that anymore. If you don't do what you're told, you are rejected. And Jesus Christ told Joseph Smith even, if you don't do what, you say, uh, what I've told you to do, uh, I will find another people. And Brigham Young and Heber C. Kimball even talked about that that there would be a people in the midst of this people, speaking of the people in Salt Lake, who are at the heart's core of this people, that will be the ones who God leads out of this people in the midst of these mountains, who will do as God has commanded. 
and that is happening. That Brigham Young was a servant. Um, he was wrong in a lot of the things, but I'm going to leave it. I'm going to leave that to God. That's up to God to judge him. I don't know everything, and I'm not going to judge him uh, completely anyway. So, go ahead, Kim. Okay, ready, set. And from Deseret News, March 12, 1892, and I didn't read ahead, so I'm not even sure if this is going to be another valid quote. I don't know. I didn't know that until then. I was like, oh, let me tell you about this one thing. <sighs> Anyways, Deseret, this is from Wilford Woodruff, Deseret News, March 12, 1892. If I had not seen him with my own eyes, there is no one that could have convinced me that it was not Joseph Smith. And anyone can testify to this who was acquainted with these two men. End quote. From Wolfford Woodruff, Deseret News, March 12, 1892. I don't know anything specific about that. New on reading. Both Brigham, and Brigham Young and Heber C. Kimball. Oh, are you going to say something? I am. Yeah, I'm just trying to get away from these really loud trailers. So... Uh, when you have aluminum trailers and coal, which is rock, falls into them, it makes loud noises. Very loud. <laughs> yeah. Like I've been there. It's really loud. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, that hurts my ears. Anyway, they, people think for some reason that they can lie for the Lord and that they're justified in this for some reason. You know, and I don't understand, like, oh, they got to protect the narrative. I am so sick and tired of lies. These men, um, I don't want to judge them too much because it's not my case. Yeah, I'm the only one up here. Anyway, but um, I just don't even know what to say. I mean, I'm so sick and tired of the lies. When God raises up a true prophet, Satan always raises up uh Judas goats, but then you have fallen prophets too. There's people that God raises up that become Judas goats because they have some tradition or some narrative that they have to protect. Mm -hmm. And even when you show them the truth and it's plain as day, they just will reject it partly because they believe what they're saying. So uh, those who believe the lie receive strong delusion that they all might be damned because they, they did not love the truth. And I add a caveat to that. They don't love the truth enough uh, to go to God to find out if what they believe is true. So they're very sincere, and they may have had true spiritual experiences. But then they, they become Judas goats. You have to be careful. That's why you cannot trust any man in the flesh – uh, to lead you in correct doctrine. You have to stand upon the rock of revelation to understand true doctrine, to get the true interpretation of scripture, scripture, which, by the way, no man owns. It is God's to give and only his to give. So we have to get revelation and confirmation of the spirit of the things that we believe are true. Anyway, go ahead, Kim. Okay. Continuing on... Both Brigham Young and Heber C. Kimball had received the assurance from God that they would never fall from their station. <laughs> from the commencement 
of the church, these two were protected and guided by the Lord. There never were two more faithful men to the prophet than Heber and Brigham. Said the prophet. Thank you. Let me grab this really quick. Doctrinal History of the Church, Volume 5, page 412, May 28, 1843. Quote, of the 12 apostles, chosen in Kirtland, and ordained under the hands of Oliver Cowdery, David Whitmer, and myself, there have been but two, but what have lifted their heel against me, namely Brigham Young and Heber C. Kimball. Doctrinal History of the Church, Volume 5, page 412, May 28, 1843. I didn't know if you were going to say anything about that also. The history of these two men was connected with the foundation and rise of the church itself. And their integrity and truthfulness stand as an example for all men. Ridiculous. Okay. Heber C. Kimball testified to the integrity of Brigham Young. In Journal Discourse, Volume 8, or Volume 5, page 32. Do you suppose that he... Brigham Young is so unwise to say a thing which he does not know to be true. He understands what he speaks, and he looks before he jumps. And God Almighty will lead him straight, and he will never stumble, no, never from this time forth. End quote from Journal of Discourse, Volume 5, page 32. On another occasion, Apostle Kimball said, in Journal of Discourse, Volume 4, page 2, just think of your position. You have heard the teachings and instructions of President Young, and his instructions are the word of God to us. And I know that every man and woman in this church who rejects the testimony and the testimony of those that he sends rejects the testimony of God, his, his father. I know that just as well as I know that I see your faces today. End quote from Journal of Discourse, Volume 4, page 2. Brigham Young explained the source and influence of his teachings and the manner in which he taught in Deseret News, June 6, 1877. The Lord promised this influence. Oh, I'm sorry. This is the quote. In my doctrinal teachings, I have taught many things not written in any book, ancient or modern. And yet, notwithstanding the many things I have told the people, I have never looked into the Bible, Book of Mormon, or Doctrine and Covenants, or any of our church works to see whether they agreed with them or not. When I have spoken by the power of God and the Holy Ghost, it is truth, it is scripture, and I have no fears but that it will agree with all that has been revealed in every particular. End quote from Deseret News, June 6, 1877. The Lord promised this influence to these early and faithful leaders. In D&C 68, verse 4, quote, And whatsoever they shall speak when moved upon by the Holy Ghost shall be scripture, shall be the will of the Lord, shall be the mind of the Lord, shall be the word of the Lord, shall be the voice of the Lord, and the power of God unto salvation. End quote from D&C 68, verse 4. And so that is probably the quote. That we're on page 90, by the way, if you have anything to say. That is probably one of the things that um, everybody always says. Whatever... That it is that they say, uh, whatever the prophet says, whatever, you know, the apostles say. Yeah, they want you to um, place it, your trust. They want you to place in your trust in them, which contradicts 
scripture. We're not supposed to place our trust in men. We're not supposed to make our prophets into idols either, and they do that. Anyway, I'm going into the void, uh, just coming down from the mine, so I will mute myself, and uh, hopefully I'll be able to talk when I get to the other side of the void. Okay. Acceptance or rejection of the testimony of the President Brigham Young is a good basis for the truth of Mormonism. If Brigham Young was wrong in his doctrines, who then can be sure it is correct? If the founders of the faith are in error, then nothing since has the assurance of being valid. If Brother Brigham is right, if his doctrines are correct, and his testimony is true, then we can easily detect everything else that is in error. Brigham Young gives us this testimony of God, and the key by which we may obtain the true knowledge of our God. This is a quote from Journal Discourse, Volume 4, page 218. Quote, Tell me that you do not know anything about God. I will tell you one thing. It would better become you to lay your hands upon your mouths and them in the dust and cry, unclean, unclean, whether you receive these things or not. I tell you them in simplicity. I lay them before you like a child because they are perfectly simple. If you see and understand these things, it will be by the spirit of God. You will receive them by no other spirit. By the same token, no one can reject them with the spirit of the Lord. No matter whether they are told to you like the thunderings of the Almighty or by simple conversation, if you enjoy the spirit of the Lord, it will tell you whether they are right or not. I am acquainted with my father. I am as confident that I understand in part, see in part, and know, and am acquainted with him in part, as I am that I was a father who died in Quincy, Illinois, after we were driven from Missouri. I know my Heavenly Father and Jesus Christ, whom he has sent, and this is eternal life. Journal of Discourse, Volume 4, page 218. Um, which is kind of interesting that he says that um, at the end of that quote. I know him just as well um, as I know my father, or that I am was acquainted with my father, my earthly father, who died in Quincy, Illinois, after we were driven from Missouri. It said they would not be moved from their place if they had done all the things that God had asked, and then yeah, they would not be cursed. And, and it's funny because he says, but at the end of this quote, we were driven from Missouri. <laughs> they weren't supposed to be removed if they had done what they said they were supposed to do. Oh, so that's kind of an ironic thing to say at the end of that quote. <laughs> Brigham Young's father died in Quincy, Illinois, after they had already left. And for those of you who don't know, Quincy is just across the river. Um, far away, me thinks. Quincy's in the area around Nauvoo. I can't remember exactly where it is right now, for some reason. But the fact is that his father didn't even follow him out west. Now, maybe he was too old. I don't know. But but then the whole thing about being driven out, yeah, they were driven out, which Jesus Christ said, if you do what I say in Section 124, you shall not be removed from your place. He He said he was going to fight their battles for them. That didn't happen. They were driven into the wilderness. So, I don't know what to do with that, but I do believe that God did know that they were going to come out here to 
the West, though, because uh, Isaiah, when he gives a geological description of where he's seeing the remnant go to, it, it matches Utah and the top of the mountains and the desert places of Utah. So then there will be a, a remnant which comes out of this area, which is led in an end-time exodus back to the center place. But for those of you who want to be in the center place right now, well, I don't know what you're doing there, because that's not where Isaiah <laughs> saw you. Yeah, I mean, Isaiah didn't see Missouri. He did not see Illinois. He saw the desert places, the canyons of the desert places, and the top of the mountains, and the highways and the top of the mountains, which does the not The utmost describe, part of the everlasting hills. Utmost now, yeah, where they would go, where they are where they have been. So, I don't know what to do with that, but whatever. Anyway, go ahead, Kim. I think this is kind of like, uh, this chapter, or this part for me is like annoying. Okay, let's keep reading about this Brigham Young part. (laughs) Page 91. Popular or unpopular as a prophet may be, his words must be honored. Like, even if he's not popular, even if he's not good, you must honor him. You must obey the key holder, because I was given the fullness of the priesthood in the red brick store, which, by the way, Jesus Christ said that the Most High had to restore the fullness of the priesthood in a finished temple, not the red brick store, Mr. Brigham Young. Oh, by the way, I have to say this, too. Brigham Young knew things because Joseph Smith taught him. And whether or not he knew it was true by the Holy Spirit, I don't know. But he had pieces of the puzzle, and he worked with it, but he twisted it around, and he did not completely understand the Adam-God doctrine. And the only reason I know that is because I do understand. And I only, the, reason I only, the only reason I understand is because God has uh, shown me these things to me and spoken to me and given me this revelation. So I didn't learn it from Joseph Smith. In fact, it's really interesting. Um, Jesus will tell me something that I've never heard before, and I'll be like, oh, that's interesting, and then he'll lead me to that. And that's how I found out about the Adam-God doctrine. Jesus told me things I'd never heard of before, and then he led me to these things, and I was like a second witness and a confirmation of the Holy Spirit. So anyway, go ahead, Kim. Okay. All right. You can hear me now, right? <laughs> I pushed the wrong button. Can you hear me? Yeah, I hear you fine. Oh, okay. I hear you fine. I'm just in a bad spot for a minute. Okay. There is one sure way to have the Lord refuse further light and knowledge to a people, and that is for them to reject truths which have already been revealed. And I 100% agree with that sentence. (laughs) If Brigham Young was unsure or mistaken in any of his teachings, he would have acknowledged and corrected them. But his stand was thus. In Deseret News, January 29, 1880, I know just as well what to teach this people and just what to say to them 
and what to do in order to bring them into the celestial kingdom as I know the road to my office. It is just plain and easy. The Lord is in our midst. He teaches the people continually. I have never yet preached a sermon and sent it out to the children of men that they may not call it scripture. End quote from Deseret News, January 29th, 1880. And again, he said, in Journal Discourse, Volume 13, page 264, I say now, when they, my sermons, are copied and approved by me, they are as good as scripture, as in couch in this Bible, and if you want to read Revelation, read the sayings of him who knows the mind of God. Journal of Discourse, Volume 13, 264. That is ridiculous if you even read yeah, that one quote. Get your own revelation. <laughs> Stop trusting in the arm of flesh. Oh, I hate it. I hate it. Because well, this is how false doctrine is, happens. Yeah, well, this is kind of ridiculous. He's like, I'm telling you, my sermons are perfect. When I approve them that what I said is good, then you know that it's good because I told you that it's good. And it's of me, and I told you, so you have to believe me because I said so. And then it says, you want to read Revelation Read the sayings of him who knows the mind of God. He was claiming to know God's mind. I don't know even that my husband would claim to know the mind of God. Um, I have so that is some really bold but claim. I don't know everything. God's given me yeah, my marching he, this orders. Is really I understand. Yeah. I know it is. And like, okay, for those of you who are listening, if you come across a man who is so confident, and his words are so powerful that you can't help but to believe you might be being deceived because those type of men are too prideful to, uh, to, give, uh, to like, be corrected. And they can give you a thousand parts truth and one part lie, but that one lie will lead you like, it's, like it's their Judas goat. And everybody would be like, oh, I love so-and-so so much. He teaches so much truth. They feel the spirit so strong. But in that one lie, they will lead you completely off the path and away from the truth of God. You have to get your own revelation. You cannot rely upon any man, no matter how much you think he is sent from God. None. You can't even rely upon the men in the scriptures and even Jesus Christ himself in that people have twisted Jesus' words in the Bible and brought many false doctrines that they believe. And then they, they received the principle of 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 that if they should believe the lie, which in this case would be the lie of false doctrine, they should receive strong delusion because they did not love the truth. And once again, my caveat is they didn't love the truth to do as James chapter 1, verse 5 says, where you get revelation from God for yourself to understand the truth. If you're going to follow after a man to find out what is true, you will be led astray. Nephi, in his vision, was led into the dark and dreary fog in the darkness by a religious man. It wasn't until he called upon God and stopped following the religious man 
that he was led by God back to the iron rod and to the tree of life. And I'm, I'm, I get emotional about this because it pisses me off so bad that people do this, that they lead people astray. True prophets will tell you the truth and they'll tell you to get revelation for yourself because God is no respecter of revelation. Or of, of people, I'm sorry. God is no respecter of people. What he will give to one, he will give to another. And Joseph Smith taught that. But you people, you love your prophets so much. And you it's like my grandfather. Well, if the prophet's misled and he's leading me astray, it's on him. No, it's not. It's on you. Because God will speak to you. He doesn't need to speak to somebody to tell you what to do. That's why when people ask me what revelation I can give them, I hate it when people act like I'm some kind of tarot card reader or fortune teller. God has given me my marching orders. He has told me the truth and given me a great deal of wisdom and knowledge on things. And he's even told me what to tell you. You should be leaving the cities. Kim. Do you know, when did when did I start saying people should start leaving the cities? That there was uh, that there was something coming they needed to get out of the cities. Do you remember? Um, three years ago, two and a half years ago. No, no that was more than that. Sorry, it was before we left um, Orangeville. Spanish War. It was before we went to Orangeville. Yeah. 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 It was two thousand and. So wait, it's been five years. Yeah. Yes. He told me to tell people to gather to this place and to get out of the cities. And he also told me where we're going to go when everything falls apart, which I'm not looking forward to it. I hate these doomsday guys. I hate it. My grandfather who raised me, he sold everything and got a place uh, in Aurora near Richfield, Utah, and was preparing for the end of the world because of the 1968, I think it was 1968 war in Israel. Because he just knew that the end of the world was going to happen. Well, guess what? He passed away in 2005. Still hasn't happened. Almost 20, well, what is it, 17 years later? Or whatever it is, 17 years later. You know, God gives us our marching orders, but guess what? Our timetable and the Lord's timetable are not on the same, and there's so many things that have to happen. But if God tells you to get out of the city and you refuse it because, because some guy said, oh, there's going to be a war and it won't happen in, until blah, blah, blah in this time period, and if you go south of some canal, you'll be safe, even though it's still technically part of the city, and I'm talking about the John Coyle prophecies. You know what? Stop relying on some man. Even if he had a thousand revelations that came true and, and a thousand more that haven't happened yet, you've got to get revelation for yourself. God can give a message to a messenger like Samuel the Lamanite. It doesn't mean that you've got to follow everything that they say. You've got to get revelation for yourself, and, and I'm so passionate about it, and I'm so disgusted by, 
by the, the darkness and the, the gross darkness of the world today, even among the Latter-day Saints who should know better. Anyway, I've got to mute myself and give my, my voice box a break because I'm starting to have a hurt throat. <laughs> okay. The reason Brigham Young spoke with such a surety, oh good, please tell us, was because of the revelations which he had received. If he preached his own opinions or theories, he would have been cautious about sending it out as doctrine. But whatever God revealed to him, there was no hesitancy in his testimony concerning the matter. In his own words, he explained it is it this way. Where is the divine who knows the least thing about that being who is the father of our spirits and the author of our bodies? If we know something about him, is there any harm in it? Not a bit. The word, the world of mankind are infidels. We should all be infidel to every false principles. I am infidel in regarding to many things, but to the truth, wherever found, I am no infidel. The Christian world is infidel to the truth in a great degree. Why? Because they know so little of the mind and will of God. Step outside of this kingdom, and who can tell us the first process towards covering the earth with the knowledge of God? Who is there that can tell us anything about that angel whom John saw coming with the everlasting gospel as recorded in John's revelations? I never found anyone who could till I saw Joseph Smith. He could tell me what I had so much desired to learn. What do the Christian divines know about it, even at the, at the present day? If they do know anything about it, I wish they would tell us. But if they do not know and will not receive the things of God from those who do know, does not this make them infidels to the truth? I have had many revelations. I have seen and heard for myself and know these things are true. And nobody on earth can disprove them. The eye, the ear, the hand, all the senses may be deceived, but the spirit of God cannot be deceived. And when inspired with that spirit, the whole man is filled with knowledge. He can see with a spiritual eye, and he knows that which is beyond the power of man to controvert. What I know concerning God, concerning the earth, concerning government, I have received from the heavens, not alone through my natural ability. And I give God the glory and praise. Journal of Discourse, Volume 16, 46. Good thing he added that he gives God the glory and the praise because he didn't say that anywhere else. So that's good. Heber C. Kimball testified that he knew of the source and means through which Brigham Young received these revelations for the church. Journal of Discourse, Volume 2, page 111 says, Has Brother Brigham got the Urim and Thummim? Yes. He has everything that is necessary for him to receive the will and mind of God to this people. Do I know it? Yes. I know I know all about it. End quote from Journal Discourse, Volume 2, page 111. Page 93. Rarely, if ever, was Brigham Young guilty of teaching any errors, and the only guilt he ever felt was teaching too much truth about God. Journal of Discourse, Volume 8, page 58, says, 
And I will say, as I have before said, if guilt before if guilt before my God and my brethren rests upon me in the least, it is in this one thing that I have revealed too much concerning God and his kingdom and the designs of our Father in heaven. If my skirts are stained and the leaf was wrong, it is because I have been too free in telling what God is, how he lives, the nature of his providences and designs in creating the world, and in bringing forth the human family on the earth. His designs concerning them, etc. If I had, like Paul said, but if any man be ignorant, let him be ignorant. Perhaps it would have been better for the people. Journal Discourse, Volume 8, page 58. Brigham Young was careful not only in his own teachings, but he instructed the same of the elders. In Journal of Discourse, Volume 13, page 263, quote, But I will give a caution to my brethren, the elders, never undertake to teach a thing that you do not understand. Such things will come into your minds, but without launching out on such subjects. Questions may be asked and answered, and we gain knowledge from each other. There is plenty within the scope of our own brains that, by assistance of the Spirit of the Lord, will enable us to tell many things, more than the world or even more than the saints can receive. Suppose a man should come here and tell you the very nature of our father Adam, tell precisely how he was organized, his height, his proportions, the extent of his knowledge, tell you the agreement that was entered into, the amount of knowledge he had to forget, to reduce himself to the capacity of a corruptible being. Suppose this could all be told to the congregations of the saints. What would they know about it? Very little. There may be some minds which could grasp, grasp some things pertaining to it, but others could not. The spirit of revelation can reveal these things to the people, but unless they live so as to have the revelations of the Lord Jesus Christ, they will remain a mystery. For there is a veil before the minds of the people, and they cannot be understood. Some of these principles have been taught to the Latter-day Saints, but who can understand them? Journal of Discourse, Volume 13, page 263. Brigham Young was a man unconcerned with the acceptance, rejection, popularity, or disapproval of the world. He spoke as he was inspired. His tenacity for defense of the gospel is without parallel, and pure inspiration is evident in all of his teachings. Brigham Young served as president of the church longer than any other president. His teachings, his labors, and his accomplishments are unparalleled in the history of the church. The powers of God manifest through him are among the most notable of any other president since his time. To the better acquaint, to better acquaint ourselves with the influence of the Lord that the Lord had upon Brigham Young, we need only turn to the history of the church itself. Consider how Joseph, in a vision, saw Brigham Young standing in the far south and west in a desert place, preaching with the angel of God standing above his head. Doctrinal History of the Church, Volume 2, page 381. At another time, while journeying on aboard a ship, a storm arose, causing turbulent waves and vigorous winds. So Brigham Young did command the wind and the waves to cease and permit them to proceed on their journey in safety. Doctrinal History of the Church, Volume 4, page 23. They're likening him unto God, um, unto Christ, sorry. Um, and this is all a lot of like, people. yeah, but that's what they're doing. So they're um, I know. building him up and all of his things and now likening him unto God, unto Christ. 
um, because he was so great and the greatest ever. Uh, yeah, well, okay. Moses anyway. did those things, and I have mm-hmm. done those things, and I know of others who have done I know. those things. So I'm not. I but know also, that that's isn't there a doing, famous but... quote about him saying? <clears throat> yeah, isn't there a famous quote also of him saying that the heavens were as brass to him on his deathbed? That was Heber J. Grant that said that, but Brigham Young said oh, okay. something similar. And he had hoped that if he lived to a certain age that he would see the face of Jesus, but that he had not seen an angel or Jesus or any other. So Brigham Young never saw Jesus Christ. And another thing, too. um, So I think it was Oliver Cowdery and Joseph Smith who set apart the first presidency in the Quorum of the Twelve at least the Quorum of the Twelve, and he said that they all had to have Jesus appear to them and ordain them himself in order to be apostles, and none of them had that happen. Not one had that happen. So, and these guys now, they don't, they don't see Jesus. They pretend like they do, but like David O. McKay, Jesus' eyes are brown. Don't give it away, Kim, but what color? Be simple. Don't be specific. What color are Jesus' eyes? Kim? Blue. Well, they're like, yeah, we'll just say blue. Yeah, they're very unique. Both Kim and I have seen him. Um... So his Kevin, our friend Joseph Kevin Joseph did too, though. Joseph what? did too. In Joseph's account, he also... Yes, I was going to get to um, that. Joseph talked about yeah. it too. David O. McKay didn't know that. He wants everybody to think that he's a prophet. So he obviously knows that Jesus has blue or uh, brown eyes. But he's a liar. He was a liar. He wanted you to believe that he was a prophet, so obviously he would know. So, um, do you, uh, can you tell uh, everybody about your experience with Kevin and Santa Quinn in 2013 and how surprised he was? Um, I think I know what you're talking about, uh, but I don't remember the exact conversation. I just know... That we were, we had been talking, talking, we always talk to them forever when we're down there. I know. Well, we were always talking forever when we're down there. But then I, um, something was mentioned of it and I was like, that's not even accurate, I said. And then I told him, I was like, and I, like, I don't really tell everybody exactly uh, what I saw and what I know. But I did tell Kevin explicitly, um, you know, his eyes and what it was like. Yeah, what it was like, and his face just lit, his face lit right up, and he was so surprised, and he was like, yes, exactly, and it was kind of funny to me, because I was like, oh, he must have seen him too, yeah, but he was very surprised, his face was in shock, like his whole body actually, he was like, what? People like Kevin and myself, we get tons of these people. 
or who come to us and they're like, I'm the one mighty and strong. I'm one of the two witnesses of the book of revelations. I'm, I'm your, uh, you know, you're supposed to work with me or I'm supposed to work with you or I'm a witness of Jesus or like, Oh my gosh. I had one guy in, uh, St. Petersburg, Florida who, um, he didn't have a place to go. So, uh, I allowed him because he was a friend of the other roommate uh, to share our bedroom and our bedroom when Florida was weird. We had two queen size mattresses, one on each side of the room. And he actually had a little plaque for above the, and, and we didn't have a door. It was like straight into the living room. So we put these curtains up to go into the, into our bedroom, you know, and we stand there talking. He was a really interesting person, but he was convinced that he was the father, God, the father, the father of Jesus Christ. And there was some really interesting things that happened in that place with him, Satan trying to manifest things. But yeah, we get these weird people who are deceived and it's, some of them aren't though. Some of them are telling the truth. But so when Kevin and myself, when we have people come to us, we'll be like, oh, okay, that's interesting. Oh, okay. You know, we'll see what happens. But when Kim is yapping about whatever it was that she was yapping about, and then she's all like, that's not even true. His eyes are, and then she goes into detail, and Kevin knows, because Kevin has seen him too. And he was surprised. <laughs> He's like, oh, maybe these guys actually have you know, some claims that are true. Maybe they're not just lunatics driving out from upstate New Hampshire to Utah to meet me. <laughs> anyway, I'm on Wash Plant Hill on Ridge Road. So I'm going to break up for a minute, Kim. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. Um, and I don't know if I'll have this done reading so I can come out and um, meet you, but Emmett, get some stuff ready for him just in case. Well, you can just, like, put it in the container because it's already done. Okay. Wait, now I can hear my echo. Emmett? Oh, okay. Next. Okay, we're going to read. Where was I at? Sorry. Among the gifts bestowed upon Brigham Young was the gift to speak in the language of Adam. Some members disputed it to be of the devil. Hmm. They probably were informed but the prophet joseph told them it was the pure adamic language or the language of god that's from the millennial star volume 25 page 439 see also the doctrinal history of the church volume one page 296 volume two page 428 and volume seven page 558 You are being loud. I'm sorry. I unmuted. And then my uh, friend who I work with was trying to talk to me. Perfect. Okay. So um, in the Doctrine of Christ Facebook group that I'm part of, somebody dug up a bunch of quotes and they posted them today. And it just confirms what I suspected. 
where Brigham Young actually talks about revising the history of Joseph Smith and revising the documents of the church. Um, there were documents that were placed on a wagon when they were being kicked out of Nauvoo, uh, which went a different direction. It was an overloaded wagon. Brigham Young intentionally put that wagon on a different part of the ice far away from everyone else, and it went under. And oh my goodness, it went under the ice and down the Mississippi, and nobody's ever seen him ever again. He did it on purpose because he was trying to whitewash things and get things into his narrative where he could live a certain way and do things a certain way and get rid of evidence. Now, I do not believe that Brigham Young murdered Joseph Smith. In fact, it angers me that people bring that up. Because, and I know I know. Brigham Young wasn't perfect, and he did some crap, and he's pay, he will pay for it if he hasn't already. But when God told me that Brigham Young was his servant and I needed to stop judging him, I can't call him completely a false prophet. Maybe he was a fallen prophet. Maybe he was just a servant. Because you don't have to be... Uh, an anointed prophet to be a servant of God. You know, um, King Cyrus was a servant of God. He wasn't even an Israelite or a prophet. But Isaiah, in the book of Isaiah, God calls Cyrus his Messiah, which, you know, I mean, oh my gosh, this pagan guy is God's servant. And, and Caiaphas, he spoke prophecy to the Israelites in Judea. He wasn't a prophet. God will use who he will use in ways that he chooses to use them. But, um, but I don't believe Brigham Young murdered Joseph Smith or had any part in it. And in fact, he was in, uh, I think he was in Boston on a mission that, G, uh, that Joseph Smith sent him on with Heber C. Kimball, and they found out three or four days after Joseph was murdered. And, um, and Brigham Young, Heber C. Kimball says that Brigham Young uh, was very upset, and he wanted to understand where the keys were. Who holds the keys? Because there's never one, but one on the earth, suppose, whatever. And Well, that's true, but anyway... And then he, uh, he decided that he was the one that held the keys because he was the president of the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles. So, anyways, but he wasn't even in Nauvoo or anywhere near the area when that happened. So, anyway, go ahead, Kim. Okay. I heard you say okay, but I don't know if I'm breaking okay, up sorry. or if you're just not yeah. talking. So it says we have 10 seconds left of the live portion. So uh, if you wanted to call in to listen to the rest of it, you would have to dial in 917-889-8827 in order to listen right, to the rest can't. of this live. 
Yeah. Yeah, because we've been in this for two hours. And Mm -hmm. uh, the live portion of the program is over with. And once once the two hours is up, you can't call in anymore. You could have if you would have done it before. But you can't now because they close the lines and anybody (laughs) who isn't already in the studio is they just can't. That's the way it goes. So we're in overdrive, which doesn't happen very often. Uh-huh. And it's only happening today because I'm getting angry and yelling a lot about all of this stuff. It makes me so angry. But anyway. Mm-hmm. <laughs> how much? How many more Bring pages young, do we have uh, left? Uh, like uh, eight and a half. <laughs> okay, I'm going to shut up and let you read. Love you. Okay. Love <laughs> you. Brigham Young's apostleship was known even before he was considered for the appointment. See Doctrinal History of the Church, Volume 2, page 181. Read the rare tribute of his faithfulness to the prophet Joseph in Doctrinal History of the Church, Volume 5, page 412. Also, the first meeting of Joseph and Brigham, the prophet Joseph, knew that Brigham Young would become president of the church at some future day. See LDS Biographical (laughs) Encyclopedia. Volume 1, page 9. Um, in Charles Walker Journal, uh, Volume 1, page 422, May 14, 1876, Brother Levi with the W. Hancock bore his testimony to the living oracles of God, said in the early rise of the church he lived two years with the prophet Joseph, and one day he was chopping a beech log with Joseph and saw Brigham Young for the first time, Joseph remarked to him before Brigham came within hearing, there is the greatest man that ever lived to teach redemption to the world and will yet lead this people. Bore a powerful testimony to the power of God being with Brigham Young, with Brother Brigham, in leading his people, that the mantle of Joseph had fell upon him. That's Charles Walker Ah. Journal, Volume 1, page 422. (laughs) I said I wasn't going to say anything, but I will growl. Okay. You can say anything if you want to. If I keep saying things, then you will never be able to bring me my food when I get over to Huntington. It's very true. <laughs> and when the time growl. came for Brigham Young to <laughs> and when the time came for Brigham Young to be president of the church, there were many of the leading elders of Israel who heard the audible voice of God make that selection. See appendix for this rare account. Brigham Young gives a key to the knowledge he obtained in Deseret News, June 6, 1877. From the first time I saw the prophet Joseph, I never lost a word that came from him concerning the kingdom. (laughs) Okay. And this is the key of knowledge that I have today, that I did hearken to the words of Joseph and treasured them up in my heart, laid them away, asking my father in the name of his son, Jesus, to bring them to my mind when needed. I treasured up the things of God, and this is the key that I hold today. I was anxious to learn from Joseph and the spirit of God. The spirit of revelation that was given to me has revealed to me many things which have been done. If you, my brethren, are quick to comprehend, and if you love the truth, you will treasure up these things and ponder upon them in your hearts, and when you are asked with regard to them, they will be revealed to you. That's Deseret News, June 6, 1877. This may be an important key to everyone if they wish to know more of the things of God. As taught by Brigham Young, 
Let them ponder upon them in their hearts, and they would be reve- will be revealed. To recount the faithfulness of Brigham Young to the Prophet Joseph is a most remarkable story. It is hard to tell which was the more dominant in his life, Joseph Smith's personality or Joseph Smith's ideas. During the 33 years of his leadership of the Mormons, Brigham Young's greatest anxiety was to make his life and work conform to the pattern laid down by the prophet. Every idea, every expression of that idea in whatever form had to square with that Joseph Smith had said on, with what Joseph Smith had said on the subject. And even when the greater pioneer came to die, his practical genius concentrated on his early file leader, the man who had been in his grave 33 years and from whose hands he had accepted as a sacred trust the leadership of a great organization, looking up and out, the glaze of death gathering in his eyes, Brigham exclaimed feebly, Joseph, Joseph, Joseph. That's Joseph Smith, an American prophet, John Henry Evans, page 213. This stands as evidence that the teachings of Brigham Young throughout his life stood accepted and approved by the prophet Joseph Smith. To reject, disapprove, or contradict President Brigham Young's teachings is to also cast a shadow of doubt upon the validity of the teachings of the prophet Joseph Smith. And that's the end of that page. Now we're on 97. I just have to say something. On Adam. Okay. Real quick. These things were taught in the history of the church, as we have shown. One of the reasons I do this show is to teach they who have been weaned from the milk and drawn from the breast, but another part of it is showing you how much your church, which you think is so true, has changed. God is not uh, like a wave tossed to and fro on the sea. His truth stands forever. And if the things which were in the early part of the church are true, they would not change. But because they do change, you either have to throw Brigham Young out, which you cut yourself off from the roots, or you have to throw your leaders out today because they do not agree with one another. Not even a little bit. Because the leaders of the church are more concerned with power and authority than they are with preserving the truth of the restoration or the redemption of Zion. Okay, I said my piece. I'm almost Amory County. I will mute myself. Love you. (laughs) Well, we could have Emmett read. Because of the unbelief that existed among many saints, as well as the precarious times during his leadership, the prophet Joseph could not present the Adam-God doctrine, nor plural marriage with the vehemency that Brigham Young did. However, the prophet Joseph was familiar with Adam, as John Taylor affirms in Journal of Discourse, Volume 18, page 326, quote, if you were to ask Joseph what sort of looking man, a looking man, Adam was, he would tell you at once, he would tell you his size and appearance and all about him, end quote. Journal Discourse, volume 18, page 326. Joseph Smith described Adam's authority and power in a language that could be attributed only to a god. He said that Adam possessed the first presidency in the creation and obtained the priesthood keys in the creation. And 
that those keys are revealed by him because he has dominion over every living creature. And more than this, he also presides over the spirits of all men. That comes from teachings of the prophet Joseph Smith, page 157. The prophet also said that Adam was the first to hold spiritual blessings and the first to know gospel ordinances. Also, that Adam holds the keys of all the dispensations. That's teachings of the prophet Joseph Smith, page 167. As mentioned previously in this chapter, the prophet Joseph Smith also declared that God had a dispensation upon the earth. It was the first dispensation. But one of the most astounding statements by Joseph Smith was that Christ is revealed through the authority of Adam. Teachings of the prophet Joseph Smith, page 167. This places Adam's authority over Christ, yet no one but God has greater authority than Christ. Adam would then be the father and God to Jesus Christ. These words by the prophet Joseph Smith clearly indicate that he was familiar with the doctrine publicly announced by Brigham Young. Words can hardly convey any greater power and authority than that which the prophet Joseph attributed to Adam, for they clearly depict him as the great progenitor and creator of the earth who presides over the spirits of all men. Protestant scholars recognize that Michael is the name of the God of this earth. This recognition is based upon Daniel's vision of the supreme authority and power endowed by Michael. One writer states in Daniel chapter 7, verse 9, envision Daniel witnessed the enactment of a drama of magnificent splendor as the mighty God to whom the title of Ancient of Days is given presents to his son, Jesus Christ, a kingdom so that all people, nations, and languages may serve him. This is where Daniel 7, 9 is. The Ancient of Days did sit whose garment was white as snow, and the hair of his head, like the pure wool, his throne was like the fiery flame, and his wheels as burning fire. That's Daniel 7, 9. Continuing to recount the happenings of the awe-inspiring scene he saw, the prophet speaks of ten, the, ten, the thousand ah. times ten thousand, who minister unto him, the heavenly host, who doing his bidding, he then sees the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven, and presenting himself before the Ancient of Days to receive his kingdom, and there was given him dominion and glory and a kingdom that all nations and languages shall serve him. His dominion is any an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom that which shall not be destroyed. From Daniel 7:14. Hold on, because this is the middle of a whole entire quote. The Ancient of Days right. is now taking his seat in judgment and aspects of his wrath are beginning to manifest themselves on the earth. Soon his son, Jesus Christ, will return in the clouds of heaven, and in the righteousness he will judge and make our war against all evil. That comes from Destiny Magazine, December 1953, volume 24, number 12. Um, you can go ahead if you needed to say something. All of those uh, Daniel uh, verses were all in yeah, that quote. Uh, I'm, on, I'm on horseshoe. I'm climbing this hill. I probably have about half a mile before I get to the top. But in Daniel chapter 12, we know that the man who sits upon the throne of Daniel chapter 7 is Michael. It says it clearly. It is Michael that sits upon the throne. But one of the things that drives me nuts about the Daniel 7 interpretation is that... Um, it's one like unto the Son of Man, not the Son of Man. There is more going on here than what most people think.
I don't hear anybody. Okay, but, you dropped um, off. I, yeah, you, you just dropped yeah, off. I, yep. Yeah, I was at the worst part of Horseshoe. So I'm almost to the top, top of Horseshoe now. So one like unto okay. the Son of Man, not the Son of Man. Also, the stone cut out of the mountain is not the church. The mountain is the church. The mountain is the how are the the mountain of God, which Daniel sees in uh, in the vision, and the stone cut out of the mountain. It's not Jesus either. Jesus is the stone and rock of Judah. He's Messiah ben Judah. It is Messiah ben Joseph, which Daniel chapter forty nine talks about the stone and shepherd of Joseph, Messiah ben Joseph that is cut out of the church in the last days. And from him, that rock will roll forth and will cover the whole earth with his teaching, which is a prophecy that is being fulfilled in your ears today. Because I am the witness who was sent. I have been sent directly from the hand of the Father, who I have seen face to face, and Jesus Christ, who I have embraced. These days are the days of prophecies being fulfilled. But we know that Isaiah saw that only a small remnant would, would come out of the people because of their false traditions. And if you think, just because you think you know a thing, that you can't be deceived, you, there are so many false traditions and like I said, Judas goats who teach a ton of truth, but they also, in key points, will lead you astray. And I've seen it over and over and over again by people who are like Samuel the Lamanite, who were sent with a message and a, uh, a, a short dispensation for their message. And, uh, and then they go off and they start teaching all this other stuff that they suppose is true, which uh, there are, there's so many lies that fog up the truth. That's why you cannot trust in the arm of flesh. You cannot. You have to go to God. And it's discouraging because the truth, there's a lot of truth hidden in the lies of false doctrine. But it is, that it is there. That's why we talk about these things. You know, and that's why we quote these things. But even today, today, God has raised myself up as the Lord's anointed, and I was received. I received that anointing at the hands of the Father, and and Satan has has risen up many false prophets or fallen prophets who are deceived by the traditions of men. And they go on about as Judas goes, leading people away from the truth. And they, they shut me up. Denver Snuffer is one of them. He wouldn't even allow me to speak at the Restoration Conference a couple of years ago, uh, uh, hosted by Tony Davis, who has since passed away, passed away in 2019. I was the first person who, was, who he uh, asked, I'm going to do this conference. Will you please come and speak at the conference? He knew I was a true prophet by revelation. 
And when Denver Snuffer and Adrian Larson found out I was going to be one of the keynote speakers, Denver Snuffer, who is very popular, said if he, this is all from Tony Davis, Denver Snuffer's too much of a coward to actually meet me or speak with me or respond to my emails or anything. But he said, if he speaks here, I will not speak. And Tony Davis gave in to that man. And I was, uh, which is fine. Um, Tim was pregnant with Ezekiel at the time. And it would be a hardship for me to go up to Boise to do that, but I was going to do it anyway. But, uh, and then we lost our baby after that. But, but Denver Snuffer, oh, he says in his interviews, oh, I'll let any man speak. I'll hear any man. He's a liar. He is a liar. And every time I hear him say crap like that on these podcasts and YouTube videos, I just scream. Because he is a liar. He is a Judas goat, just like many others are Judas goats. And they might have a lot of truth. But in key points of doctrine, they lead the people astray. That's why Isaiah saw a very small, small amount of people who are actually the remnant of, of the house of God who were part of Zion's redemption. I am in Huntington, and I am almost to the dealership. So I'm probably going to break up before you end the sounding a little bit redundant. I know. Can I just say this one thing real quick? No, I was going to tell you, every single lie is really based on a very good truth. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. It's true, and it, it, it makes me so angry, but it makes me so emotional. But anyway, when um, you finish reading, Kim, I probably uh-huh. will be on. Don't forget okay. to play the, the uh, music. Uh, it's in yes, the studio. Don't it's forget that, I because I'm going to be grabbing all my stuff and getting ready to go boy. meet you. Okay. okay, I'm almost to the dealership, so. Okay, and I will meet you when you come back down. Okay, thank you, everybody, All for right. listening. And, uh, yeah, my wife. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, last page, page 99. Also referring to Daniel, the prophet Joseph Smith alludes to the Ancient of Days as being none other than Adam. Commencing with Adam, who was the first man, who is spoken of in Daniel as being the Ancient of Days, or in other words, the first and oldest of all the great and great grand progenitor of whom it is said in other place, he is Michael, because he was the first and father of all, not only by progeny, but the first to hold the spiritual blessings to whom was made known the plan of ordinances for the salvation of his posterity unto the end, and to whom Christ was first revealed, and through whom Christ has been revealed from heaven, and will continue to be revealed from henceforth. Teachings of the Prophet Joseph Smith, page 167. Therefore, according to both the scriptures and Joseph Smith, Adam is Michael, and Michael is God, the father of all. Um, In the last part of this, there's a quote from Joseph Smith, or it says it's from Joseph Smith, it just says Joseph Smith. It says, I saw Adam in the valley of Adam on Diamond, He called together his children and blessed them with a patriarchal blessing. The Lord appeared 
in their midst, and he, Adam, blessed them all and foretold what should befall them to the latest generation. And then at the end of the chapter, there's a couple of pictures that just are of the Valley of Adam on Diamond, sorry, and Spring Hill, Hill at Adam on Diamond. Um, the prophet Joseph Smith found the remains of an ancient Nephite tower. This was also the spot where Adam offered sacrifices. And that is the end of this chapter, and we'll be reading chapter 11, Chronology of the Doctrine, uh, tomorrow night, I believe. And yeah. that means to the music, right, Emmett? <laughs> oh, you're okay. still there? Okay, oh, 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 I didn't know oh, you're I still there. <laughs> Kim. Okay. Kim, yep. everybody that knows yep. me personally knows that I wear black all the time. You mm-hmm. want to tell them why I wear black? Because you're in mourning for the pe- for your people. <laughs> yep. For all the people who are lost because of all the lies. Yep. I hate the fact that God has called me to this mission. I even hate the fact that I'm I know these things because I have to speak them. But it is not easy. It is rejection all the time, and my hope is for Zion to be redeemed, and it cannot be redeemed until people get the truth of it. And so many are led astray, and even people that are so close to the truth because of their false traditions are led astray in key points of doctrine. And it causes me to weep and to soak my pillow sometimes. And Kim Kim has seen it. But I know that God lives and I know that he does love us all even if we are led astray in key points, you know, in traditions and all of that. And uh, I know that my Redeemer lives and I have seen him face to face. And I've seen the Father as well. And when Jesus says, I go to my Father and to your Father, and to my God and to your God, and when it says that Jesus hath made us kings and priests unto God and his Father, it is specifically speaking of Father Adam, who is our common Father, and Jehovah our Elohim. And I leave these things with you in the name of Jesus Christ and in the name of Messiah. Amen. Thank you, Emmett. Thank you, Kim. Here's the music. Welcome. Mm-hmm. 